Most everyone knows that you had a problem, but you don't know that everyone knows you have a problem. But I'm going to just go ahead and invite uh, Jay Schiffman up to share his story. So let's give it up for Jay. Welcome to the Choose Your Struggle podcast. I am your host, Jay Schiffman. Welcome to another episode of the Choose Your Struggle podcast. This is episode 12. We've made it to a dozen episodes. Pretty cool. Thank you all, as always, for continuing to listen. This is a fun one. First, you're going to get a shout-out from an actress that I love. Uh, (laughs) She was just incredible on Orange is the New Black as the locked-up hippie activist, so-so. That is Kamiko Glenn. Kamiko Glenn is on the podcast. That's awesome. She She was very cool to record this. I really appreciate it. And then you're going to get an interview with one of the coolest people that I've gotten to meet since moving to South Carolina. Her name is Elizabeth McKissick. She lives up in Greenville and works with two incredible organizations up there, the first of which, under the capacity that I met her, is U-Turn. U-Turn is doing... uh, Look, when I'm choosing who I'm writing about for this book, which if you haven't heard me mention this before, it's on hold because of COVID. I can't do the interviews. I, I really, it's important to me to do these in person, but the book is is trying to tell the stories of people who are, are doing change-making and unique work around the epidemic of uh, addiction and mental health that we're seeing in this country. And when I learned about Elizabeth, as you'll you'll hear on this, she found me, she reached out and said, I think you're doing some great work. We should talk. And we did. And immediately, I was like, I want to learn more. So her and her team at U-Turn are really taking this in a, in a great, unique direction. And uh, you'll hear that in the interview. And she, she was fantastic about both her story and the work they're doing. And, and I mean this. She is one of, if not the coolest person I've gotten to meet since moving down here. She was fantastic. And, and we mentioned this a little bit, but there's a funny story. She invited me up to Greenville. Um, I was interested in interviewing them, and she said, not only do we want to do that, why don't you come up to Greenville and you can get on our platform, and we'll do something special. What we ended up doing was they recorded, instead of their host, Rich, who's awesome as well, interviewing someone, it was me interviewing Rich and Elizabeth and one of their board members, uh, Edwin McCain. Now. If you don't know Edwin McCain, go listen to his music, and you'll immediately go, oh, holy shit, I'll Be, his his number one hit, was one of the songs of the 90s, and he's, he, he's great. His music is fantastic. But she said, you should, you know, Edwin McCain's going to be there. He'll be part of the interview, too. You should go listen to his music. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. But she was talking about him like he was a big deal, and, and I was like, you know, I know music. I would know that name if he was a big deal. So I go up there and I interview him. And by the way, I'm really happy it worked out this way because we had some incredibly frank conversations both before we went on camera where he and I were just in the green room together chatting it up. And, and he found out I was from Cincinnati and had amazing things to say about Cincinnati. And 
hanging out watching the Reds with uh, you know higher ups with, with the team when he was big in the nineties and and then on camera he was so forthright. But I, I I leave I'm like oh he was a nice guy he was he was very cool and I drive back to Charleston and I tell my wife oh yeah you know these are the people that were there and and Edwin McCain and she just stops and goes did you say Edwin McCain and I said yeah and she said all right call my mother so I was like okay so I called my mother in law. <laughs> Uh, who, who we, we have a shared love of hooting the blowfish. Like that's the kind of music she's into. I said, Lauren says I should, I should tell you that I was just hanging out with Edmund McCain. And she dropped the phone and she picks it up and was like, holy shit. Like she completely fanboyed and it was wonderful. Uh, we had such a great moment and she was laughing at me for not knowing who he was. Then of course I went and listened to the music and was like, oh. I'm an idiot. <laughs> but like I said, I'm really glad it went that way because we had a fantastic conversation. And um, he was really knowledgeable about the addiction, the, the, the way it impacts the brain and the science behind that. And as, as I said to Elizabeth, I can't remember if this made it to the episode or not. If you didn't know that Edwin was a musician, you would think he was a brain scientist because he knows so much about this topic. So thank you to... Elizabeth, thank you to Rich Jones, her her partner up there at U-Turn and Favor. Thank you to Edwin McCain. And, and they have another partner named Shay, who is, I didn't get to meet, but is uh, also a great guy. We've chatted on uh, LinkedIn. So the entire team of Greenville and uh, the addiction uh, work that they're doing is just wonderful. So thank you so much. Stick around after the interview, and we'll do our usual choose your card and good egg. Uh, as always, please keep reaching out. I say this every time, and I mean it from the heart. The people I have coming up on this podcast are fantastic, and some of them I've reached out to. A couple others have reached out to me. So please keep reaching out. Um, you can find me on my website, www.jshiftman.com. That's J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N.com. On LinkedIn and Facebook, it's the same thing, just jshiftman. On uh, Instagram, it's the next Schiffman, and Twitter is at JB Schiffman. Reach out, let's chat, uh, and keep requesting your bracelets because, as I always say, they keep flying out the door and it makes me super happy. So enjoy the interviews, uh, and I'll catch you at the end of the episode. I had my own brushes with mental health issues several times. I actually deal with really, really intense anxiety. And, um, you know, it's kind of waxed and waned throughout the years, but in order to get through it, I have to talk about it. And it's important to, it's surprisingly more well received than you would think. I think it's a scary thing to talk about and, and to bring light to, but it actually is really empowering at the end of the day, being able to release it, you know, kind of speak it and give it a name and, um, and accept it, and then <laughs> release it if you can. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Yeah. I know if you're listening to my podcast that you could use a break. So let me recommend something that makes me smile. They say laughter is the best medicine, and when I want to laugh, I go check out the podcast Cookies for Breakfast. It's hosted by one of my best friends in the world, Spark Paper. You can find it wherever your podcasts come from. Whatever app you use, it's on all of them. So check out Cookies for Breakfast today, and let's listen together. One more time, that's Cookies for Breakfast, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts.
Are you ready to take your hemp experience to a whole new level? Because if so, I want to tell you about my sponsor, Mountain Made. Their puff line of smokable flour is unreal. They meticulously source each strain from select partner farms to ensure only the highest quality product in the marketplace. When it comes to the entourage effect, nothing tops strain-specific flour. It delivers the full range of all the amazing effects of CBD. I can tell you because I use it myself. With 0.7 grams of premium full flour inside of each pre-roll, you'll be ready to maximize your personal summit whenever you smoke. So check out Mountain Made today and grab a puff. They're federally compliant with less than 0.3% THC, which means they ship nationwide. All right, I'm going to grab a puff and let's get back to the episode. Your expertise and your experience is, is in the addiction world. And obviously, I want you to tell as much or as little as your story as you want, and obviously talk about U-Turn. But a lot of the focus right now, I don't know if you are like me and you sort of devour any news on addiction and mental health as, as I do, but I would say probably 20 out of 25 or even higher uh, amount of stories are on, oh, you know, here are how people are trying to do group sessions online, right? Or hear how, you know, people who normally rely on going to AA and are struggling with not being able to. And that's, that's a, you know, very important story and very needed story. But where's the rest of it? You know what I mean? Like, as you and I were talking about when we, when we chatted the first time, you know, the, the addiction treatment world is so much more robust than that. Where is the coverage on the rest of what's happening? And I think that's why it's so important that people like you turn exist. Your boy, uh, Rich, has been incredible on, on social media, and I, I've thanked him for that as well. But the whole U-Turn team are constantly trying to push that conversation. Yeah, we cannot stay silent because it's, it's, it's worse now than ever, probably. And, I'm, you know, the stigma of addiction, that's one thing I did want to talk about today. And the reason that – the reason I do – you turn and I talk so openly is because when I was in active addiction to drugs and alcohol, I had no idea that there wasn't anything morally. Like I thought I was just a horrible, evil person that was gross and disgusting and didn't deserve to live in humanity because I had this gross thing going on. And, you know, I had no idea that there were all these other women in Greenville that had secretly signed on to keep it a big secret and go to these 12 step rooms and um, where anonymity is, is huge, which I just, you know, I, I, I don't want to mess with anybody's form of recovery or whatever, but I just feel like how are we as suffering people supposed to know that there's another way and that there's help and that we're not bad people if they're not people standing up and saying, look, you're sick right now, you can get better. There is another way. However you get there is up to you, but there is another way. If we're not, if we're not standing up and saying, I used to be where you are, you're okay, then how in the world are people supposed to know there's another way? I mean, I, I remember going to my first meeting and I was like, why, why? I had no idea you people were in here. I thought y'all were just normal people. And they were like, well, 
you know, we don't want to tell because we'll lose our job or we don't want our kids to know. And, oh my gosh, you know, it's like we used to talk about cancer. It's, you know, he has cancer. Like there was something that person did wrong to get cancer. Like now we talk about cancer as a, you know, it's a badge of honor to have cancer and survive it. And it's, it's gotta be the same way with this. This is a disease. And um, right now it's getting pushed to the side and all the money is going to COVID and all the talk is going to COVID. And the one really, really good thing, Jay, that's going to come out of this is to focus on mental health. And as we know, SUD, mental health, they are married. Um, I have been someone uncom uncomfortable in my own skin since I was, came out of the womb. I, I, honestly, everything feels itchy and, and scratchy. And if, if the thunder's booming, it's scary and, you know, that kind of thing. So, of course, when I put a substance in my body, I felt okay for the first time in my life. And um, I think that there are just so many of this, of, of like me and like, you are like many others that um, just right now, especially um, with all the scary stuff going on, like we have all the feels and um, now more than ever, we need to know that there is help and there are things like U-Turn and Favor and all kinds of nonprofits that are there for your help. If you can't afford to call and go see a psychiatrist, it costs $200 an hour. Like there's so many free services and, and you know, I, I put my name and number out there all the time. And I know you do too, Jay, for anyone that just wants to talk. That's where the healing begins. You and I got connected through LinkedIn. I came up to interview you as well as uh, Rich and yes. Edwin McCain for my book. You are working in Greenville, South Carolina for two awesome organizations. Well, you work for one Actually, I'll just have you break that down because I know of you because of favor and U-turn. So do you want to talk about the relationship there? Yeah, absolutely. When I decided to stop living that way and um, actually went to treatment and came home and like I said, I went to 12-step um, meetings and realized that there was this whole world of people in recovery that were underground, so to speak, that there was this one woman who talked to me after a meeting one time and she said, I tell everyone I'm in recovery. You shouldn't be ashamed. And I'm starting this thing in Greenville. I want it to become really big. It's a nationwide organization. Ours will not be affiliated with it, but it will have the same name, which is Faces and Voices of Recovery, which we call an acronym for FAVOR, Greenville. So I said, I don't understand what you meant, what you're talking about. And she said, picture this, Elizabeth, a place, a building where everyone that wanted recovery could go. It would be a resource center, a one-stop shop, sort of a triage for people who were sick and looking either for rehab or better yet, just some support. So anyway, I jumped in full force. I just came out and said, yes. You know, I am in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction, which funny, ironically, most everyone knows that you had a problem, but you don't know that everyone knows you have a problem. <laughs> so it was really not that big of a surprise. So I, I came out to my little community here in Greenville and my husband and I, who's, he's also in recovery, co-chaired a campaign and raised um, a million for to get the doors open, which was to lease a space 
and we started having recovery meetings there. And I mean, I think there are like 60 different recovery meetings now. We have about 26 peer recovery coaches, which we've all been through the training. So take the old model and throw it out. The model that you have to hit rock bottom and go to treatment, that's just not the case. We know now with science that if early intervention, you can actually turn the tide. Not everyone has to um, quit everything. A lot of times, like especially with heroin addiction, um, methadone, things like that are really good replacements for that. So the withdrawals aren't bad. We're all about that. Smart recovery. We just champion every which way you choose to get better, right? It's not for us to say or judge. It's for us to hold your hand and go through it with you. So with that being said, after about five years um, into favor, I mean, huge success, thanks to Rich Jones, who came on about six months after we opened. And he has just put so many programs into place. He's been in the recovery world. Uh, he's been recovered for like 20 years, but in the recovery addiction world for about 23 years. And he, um, he's just an amazing amount of energy. And another friend of ours, Shay Hauser, who also had been in about four or five rehabs. And the last one he went to, he went away for about six months and he came home, literally a changed man wanting to help everyone. And he and Rich started talking, you know, they, a light bulb went off and Shay's a business person. And he was like, how can we get favor to more people? We've helped 8,000 families, you know, 40,000 individuals. How can we get this out to America? Why isn't everyone approaching addiction like this? So that's where U-Turn was born over many coffees. Um, Shay asked me if I would be a part of it. And I absolutely jumped in head first. I mean, I didn't ask questions. I didn't ask anything. I just said, I'm in. So the three of us for about six months started kicking around the idea of digitizing favor, basically digitizing favor, all the good, all the experience, all of the advice and putting it into a video platform. And it, it has evolved so much over the last two years. We've been doing this for two years and we thought, you know, we put it out there and consumers will just eat it up. Well, that wasn't the case. So we started to think about what's the best way to get this out to as many people, very low cost. But of course we have all these costs with the production of the videos and all that. I mean, it's not cheap. So we we're going to offer it to businesses and that's really the way that we've been rolling it out. And it, it's a great platform. It's education. It's, it's uh, personal stories. Like we have, you know, heroin addicts, we have alcoholics, and then we have people who are in medically assisted treatment. We have people who have just quit on their own. We have people who've lost children to addiction, talk about how their families recovered. And we really just want to make it available to as many people as possible. And, you know, definitely want to make this uh, shout out. I know firsthand what U-Turn can do. I was lucky enough to be in the studio with y'all right before this started, actually. It was, it was, yes. man, that, that was like the last thing I did in public later that I week. Too. I mean, a lot of what we talked about that day does not get talked about enough. You were just referencing that yourself, but the brain science piece is probably the least of any of that. Yeah, they'd rather just say we're bad people, you know, than understand that actual, this physiological change happens in our brain. 
that we can't control after a while. You know what I mean? And I mean, for some of us, I think it happens the first time we take a drink and that dopamine fires up and we're like, oh, now I understand what life's about. This feels great. It's a funny story. When I was first asked to tell my story in a 12-step room, I belabored over a, I think it was a 10-page typed out from the time I was two and, and, and heard my grandfather drinking uh, whiskey with his ice cubes jingling to, I mean, people in the room were literally snoring. Um, I understand now that it's really not about me and my specifics as it is about how I got to the place I am today and what I do now and how good it is now. And I mean, it, I'm a different person than I was. Um, I think when the change happened, I was 15, I took my first drink and I did. Uh, some people have this feeling, some people don't, but I felt like I'd come home and it, it was just the warmth. It was the um, comfortable feeling I got that I was okay and that everything was going to be okay. And from that point on, I think I sought that feeling any way I could get it. And I, I really didn't drink alcoholically, I don't think. I mean, who really knows until I got to college? And it was pretty clear that that I like to have a good time, which at Alabama, University of Alabama, who didn't? So I kind of blended in. But I think towards my senior year, you know, I was the only one that was always drinking more than I should. Always, always. I always drank till I passed out or... I guess it was my junior year in college, someone brought out some cocaine, and I remember looking at someone who loved me very much at the time, a good friend, and she said, you know, Elizabeth, I don't want you to try this. I was hammered, drunk, and she said, I don't want you to try this because I know you, I've watched you, you are going to love it, and I was like, well, then give it to me. Are you kidding me? You can't tell me that and then not expect me to do it. So I did it that time, and I'm going to tell you from Ritalin or caffeine, anything that I could get my hands on that made me speed up, which is hilarious because I am the most hyper-energetic, nervous person you'll ever meet. Why I chose that high, that, that chatty, I used to try to figure out, was it my grandparents being alcoholics? Was I born without dopamine? Whatever it is. I've always wanted to go to that next level. And what that allowed me to do was drink and not pass out. So that was great. And then, of course, after college, I realized that I couldn't do that all the time because it cost money. I had a job. And so I quit. But any time there was a, a, a hint that someone might be doing it, we ran with a really fast crowd here in Greenville. And believe it or not, People took it out at, at nice parties and stuff. And, and when you dress up drugs like that and you see the, like, the pretty people doing it that you think are okay or their lives are okay, even if you feel like your life is spinning out of control, you're like, well, if they're doing it, I just told myself it was okay. But eventually, it became a really bad addiction. Uh, I'd say in habit, but a habit is something you can break pretty easily. But I got somehow it took over my life. To make a long story short, we had a near-death experience. My husband overdosed in front of the kids. They were seven and five, almost died, and 
that was what set us on our journey. But honestly, Jay, before that, I was so ready to get help. I just didn't know how. I remember actually reading my mother-in-law, who, who actually passed away from alcoholism, reading her big book that somehow it ended up in our home. I don't know if that was dropped here by someone like my mom, but I remember reading it and saying, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, for those who don't know that, saying, you know, honey, we're in here. This is us. Like, I think we're addicted. But because no one was standing up and saying and educating me, or, you know, I didn't have any education on what addiction looked like, I really thought I could stop by myself. Anyway, I was fortunate enough to have a mom and dad who said they would pay for me to go to rehab. James's family paid for him. We're very, very lucky. Most people don't have that. I realize that now, how fortunate I am to have had a chance to go to rehab. Not many people can afford to do that these days. It's just ridiculous. I really wish everyone could because it, it, what it did was took me away from my drug of choice and my addiction for six weeks. I wasn't able to get it. And I think that's when the mind can have that ability to change in like six weeks or more. It changes from searching for that high to sort of starting to get back. They say it takes like a year for your brain to recoup and start to be normal again. But I mean, I, I, I've suffered from anxiety and depression my whole life and, and it, that didn't go away when I quit. If anything, it came back more and I, I take medicine for that and see somebody for that occasionally. Anyway, that's my story. So it's been uh, 14 years this October. Both my husband and I are in recovery and, you know, we're abstinent. However, I have plenty of friends who don't practice that. Everyone has their different way of doing things. I probably exercise too much, but that's one way I cope with stress. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I missed having a margarita at a Mexican restaurant and maybe a beer on a hot, sunny day. But for me, I can't because I just, I love everything like that way too much. And I think it would take me down a bad path. It's a constant balance. It's uh, life is a constant balance, but I think that's true for everybody. But that's really it, Jay. That's my story right there. Tell the listeners where to find you on social media, what to follow, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Well, I am Elizabeth McKissick on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, but U-Turn.net has a great social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. Um, and you can, now we have a place on U-Turn that if you just want to reach out to any of us and get more information or have one of us call you you can do that as well. Like we, we're, we're just here to help any way we can. So if you go on the platform, uturn.net and go to contact us and it's all of our information is on there. So, and I've actually been writing Jay because the way I found you was actually through medium. I read one of your articles and I've written three now. Um, and the last one I put on LinkedIn and it's, it's called, it's okay to not be okay. <laughs> oh, I, so here's what's funny. I read that and it was really good. And I think I saw it because Rich shared it and I yeah. went right past who wrote it. I just went, oh, this is Rich's. And I yeah, assumed that, that was, was his. 
Wow, that was really good. Thanks. Well, uh, it's just kind of a, how I feel thrown up on paper, you know? All right, so definitely a shout out. Fine. You know what? I will go find that and put that in the show notes of this episode whenever this comes out. Thank you. You're welcome. So one more topic, and then we'll, we'll, I have a couple of questions we always close on. So when, you, when we spoke and when we were in person back in early March, you said something. I actually just got done listening to the, uh, the, the audio and checking it and making it was, it was great. But you said something that has stuck with me, and that was how you've talked to your kids about addiction which I think, look, there's no perfect, but there are right ways to do it. And the way you described it was just like, like that, that was it for me. You know what I mean? So you said something along the lines of the quote you had for your daughter was, do you want to be able to have a drink at your wedding? Absolutely. Yes. You know, once the shame left me, I realized that I was not a bad person. I did start to speak more openly with my kids. You know, when they're in middle school, they really don't want to know a lot about their moms and dads. They just don't. But high school and college, I have found that they're going to be people that you hang out with at bench drink every weekend, every football game, they're going to get hammered. And, and they may be perfectly fine. But listen, that's what I started doing. And it took me down a path because of genetics? I don't know. Because I just pushed it too far? I don't know. It doesn't matter the reason. But I do know there was a point where if someone had grabbed me by the arm and said, look, this is where you're going to end up, maybe, just maybe, I could have turned the tide before it was too late. So yeah, I told my daughter, especially when they're in college, and both of them are in college, and then I have a middle schooler, but I tell them those kinds of things with your genetics and your mother and dad being addicted, your likelihood that your binge drinking would not stop there is very, very high. The science is in. Would you like to have a glass of champagne to toast your husband, even if you're not a big drinker, just to have the champagne glass? Or would you like that to be just completely dry? Like you have the choice. And I found my older daughter very receptive, and she realizes that she can sit in her apartment in Clemson and drink a glass of wine every night. I mean, they just can, and some of them do, one to two, but she knows that that can lead. I mean, listen, even if you're not physically addicted, the fact that you want to emotionally sit down at five o'clock every day and have that release can become a habit, which you can't break. So all that education and all of me, you know, telling them until they roll their eyes and they say, mom, we get it. I've had her come to me and say, you know, I, I, they just opened that wine and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to choose when I drink. And also they have called me on occasion and said, I have a friend who every time she drinks, she blacks out and she doesn't know where she is. And I'm worried about her. And I'll give them tips to talk to the friend about, or if they want me to talk to the friend for them made that open door policy where I'm not going to call somebody's mom unless I think they're in danger, but I will certainly talk to a group of kids or teens or whatever who maybe are worried that some of their friends are getting out of control. Shay and I actually took a, a couple of guys to Starbucks before they went to college per their parents' request and talked to them. And Two of those guys have reached out to Shay since they've been in college to talk about the amount of bench drinking that goes on and how they're concerned. 
and they can see how it could become an unhealthy pattern. I mean, so they're thinking, right? Let's just talk about it openly, just like we talk about everything else. Who is someone that you look up to or uh, a hero to you that we should all be following, whether it's you know, someone who is doing work today or someone who has come before and that we should go read their work, whatever the case is. And the second question is, what are your self-care, self-care habits now, especially during Corona, but, but, but not necessarily just Corona? What are your self-care habits, you know, that, that, that helps you? And then, like I said, sign off, you know, t- tell us all where to find your, find your awesomeness. Okay. People I follow that are really champions of the recovery movement and have done so much. Ryan Hampton's one of them. And Tim Harrington, he is, and Jay, I've seen that you've, Tim Harrington's all over um, social media. And he actually, he and his family took a bus or a camper. I can't remember really what it was and went all over, took the kids out of school and went all over the country. And unfortunately he was going to be filmed. We were going to do a podcast with him in Greenville and we just could not connect. He is doing so much to crush the stigma and he talks about Matt and he, you know, talks about how this is a disease and how he, he's just phenomenal. So look up Tim Harrington. He makes me feel like I'm not doing anything. And then what I do today to self-care is I write, I write, I try to get everything crazy out of my brain, all the different thoughts and put them on paper. Sometimes I let people read them. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I throw them in the trash. I exercise, I try to get a lot of sleep and I try to ask myself, you know, if I can't help everybody, who is just one person? And sometimes it's in the grocery store and I make a point to talk to the cashier that day because I mean, they're right there on the front lines every day. And it's not like they want to be there, but they have to be there. So just, I try to figure out a way to get out of myself, get myself out of the way and quit. So I don't get all self-centered fear and all wrapped up in myself and try to help somebody else. And that's really it. Yeah, I definitely can say that meeting you and then through you, everybody else up there in Greenville has been one of the, one of the cooler connections I've made since moving down here last, last summer. So I really appreciate well, thank it. you. So, all right. So last time, tell us where to find you. Okay. So U-turn.net, uh, Elizabeth McKissick on, um, on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, and, but really check out U-turn.net and all of our social media there. And Rich Jones, um, he has a thing called the Recovery Cartel, which is really good. And he puts a lot of that on LinkedIn and Facebook as well. So find that on Facebook, Recovery Cartel. It's a great place for people in recovery to talk and hash out their problems and things like that. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time today. This, is, this has been great. I know that our, um, our listeners will learn a lot from this. And my goal, every single one of these podcasts is if I can reach one person. And so I think that's definitely going to happen Amen. with this yes. one. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, as always, thank you for all you're doing. Thank you, Jay. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast and then thought, oh, man, I just, I don't even know where to begin. Well, I have the perfect answer for you. It's Anchor. They have all the tools you need to get started right away all in one spot. You can do it from your phone or your computer. They'll even distribute for you so you don't have to go looking for places. 
to get your podcast out. But the best part is it's all free. That's right. You can sign up today without any hassle at all. You can even start making money right from the beginning. It's everything you need in a podcast in one place. So check it out today. Go to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. All right, we are at the close of another episode. What you're hearing is me opening the cards. I hope you enjoyed those. Elizabeth, it's great. Please go check her out in U-Turn's work. If you are, you work for a business that is looking for that sort of a platform, uh, I can vouch for them. I, I, I don't say that lightly, but I can. They, they are really, truly doing change-making work. So please go check them out. Now it's time for Choose Your Card. So today we're going back to the Press Pause Pack. As always, brought to you by the Blurt Foundation. They don't pay me to say this. I just use their materials and believe it's the right thing to do to tell you that. All right, this is again the Press Pause Pack. This pack is meant for some meditation, some mindfulness, some something to jumpstart your personal reflection. I think that today's card is really going to do that. So this is incredibly important. It's something that I take to heart because I find myself doing this a lot. It says this. When you say yes to others, make sure you are not saying no to yourself. When you say yes to others, make sure you're not saying no to yourself. And how often do we find ourselves doing that? How often do we agree to do something or put others' wants and needs first? And sometimes that's great. You know, it it means being a good partner or a good friend, a good son, daughter, whatever the case is. And that's fine. That's not what that card is saying. What that card is saying is be mindful, be aware if you are putting somebody else first and make sure it's for the right reasons and make sure it's for the right person. Make sure it's a person who appreciates that. Make sure it's a person who is worthy of putting yourself second. And I think that rolls very well into our good egg for today. Quick story. I reached out to an organization that I like a lot the other day. They're an online training platform for people in the mental health sphere. I'm not going to say their name. It's not important. But I reached out because I started noticing something, and and this is something I notice a lot, and I don't always speak up, but I did here, because I recognized that I no longer could put my own feelings second. This wasn't worthy of doing so. To put this situation simply, these trainings that they do, you have to be a member of their platform, which I am. Uh, And then the trainings are included. And I started realizing that all of their trainings are by white people. Probably 75% are men. And I just finally said, I I can't continue to use your service. I said that to myself. So I can't continue to use their service. So I sent them an email because 
I didn't want to just stop, right? That doesn't do me any good. I'm missing some great information. So if I was going to stop using it, I wanted to give them a chance first. So I'm recording this on Wednesday, and I sent that email Monday, and I've not heard from them yet. But essentially, the email was just short. It said, I really enjoy the trainings. They're all super helpful. Here's where I'm struggling. I have noticed that you have zero diversity. It's not even, you know, you really could be doing better. It's zero. There was not. I look back at all the invitations for the last month or so. Not a single person of color. Like I said, maybe 25% women, which is low. But not a single person of color. And I said, I can't do that anymore. So I let them know. Haven't heard back. If I do, I will update on next week's podcast. But that's your good egg for today. Look, I talk about choose your struggle a lot. And choose your struggle, for those who haven't heard it before, basically means... We live in a world where we're supposed to care about everything all the time. And that's not to say there aren't worthy causes because there are a lot. But it means recognizing where you can have an influence, where you can use your voice, where you can maximize your privilege to make a difference. And making sure those are the things that you care about. So this is one for me. I recognize I have a voice here. I have a privilege and I have a right to say something, and a responsibility to say something. I am a member of this platform. I'm not just some Joe Schmo off the street. I am a member of that platform, and I have a right to say to them, I'm disappointed in what you are offering. And as a person of privilege, I have that responsibility to use that voice. So I did. So that's your good egg for today. Recognize where you have a right where you have a privilege, and use it. Speak out, speak up, make a difference. That's how things change. All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode. There's a special episode coming on Monday. I know there's been a couple lately. I've been super lucky to be interviewed on some amazing podcasts and other opportunities. You'll catch another one on Monday. Check that out for everyone else. If you you choose not to, that's cool. No hard feelings whatsoever. I will see you next Friday. Uh, Do your good egg. I love you all. Choose your struggle.